Grace be unto you. Peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A, a very busy time for our praise team and our instrumentalists. Won't you give them a, a thank you for all the wonderful Christmas music. We had wonderful service and services on Christmas Eve and they're back again this morning. God be praised. From Luke chapter uh, 2, uh, just these three verses that I read earlier. And uh, Jesus' father and his mother marveled at what Simeon had said. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And Mary, a sword will pierce through your own heart, so that thoughts from many hearts might be revealed. Sisters and brothers in Christ, well, I believe that watching football on television has given a whole new way to understand history through the technology of the instant replay. Look at that instant replay booth, huh? Hit a slide there. There we go. Before the coming of instant replay, I remember those days, football players could crash together, they could fumble the ball, uh, officials could drop flags, and uh, fans and sports writers and officials could each give a different view of what they had observed. There was no instant replay. Each would be sure that their view was correct, but nobody could prove them right or wrong. And then came instant replay. And now within seconds of the event, history can be backed up and replayed over and over, sometimes in deep, slow motion, over and over, so that everybody has the proper interpretation. Browns could have used some of that yesterday, right? <laughs> well, on this day after Christmas, our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 2 gives us a chance to have an instant replay of what was celebrated yesterday and the night before. We see an old man, Simeon, reacting when he first sees the baby Jesus. Next slide, please. When he sees that a baby, when he sees that baby, there is an instant replay in his heart for Christmas because he saw God fulfilling all of the promises of old. The Holy Spirit had told Simeon, who was a devout man, he was also a very old man, that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And because he was devout, it says Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the hope that had been instilled in them, the promise of the covenant that had made, been made with Abraham 2,000 years earlier. And when Joseph and Mary bring the baby Jesus to the temple for the purification of Mary, Simeon's hopes were fulfilled. Now, let me say a word about that purification of Mary, that presentation at the temple. It happened for Jewish babies on around the 40th day of after birth. And Mary and Joseph also brought two birds along with them that they will offer as a sacrifice to buy their son back from the Lord. Seems strange to us, but they're actually obeying an Old Testament law of Moses that happened right after the children of Israel left Egypt. At Mount Sinai, he gave these laws. Remember in Egypt what that tenth plague was? Moses contending against Pharaoh for the release of the children of Israel. That tenth plague, remember, was the Passover, the angel of death that would come and kill each of the firstborn in the household, right? Now those who believed in the Lord, believed both in his threat and his promise, they were told to sacrifice a lamb and take blood from that sacrifice and paint the doorposts and the lintel in their houses, and the 
angel of death would pass over, the lamb would die in place of the firstborn son. Didn't work for Pharaoh and those who were not under the promise. Well, from that time on, from Mount Sinai on, all Jewish families had to redeem, had to buy back their firstborn son by making a blood sacrifice to the Lord. That's why Mary and Joseph brought these two birds and they killed them because they were subject to the law of God and there was, there was a debt that had to be paid. Now, I, I find this totally ironic. Just think, that babe, 40 days old or less, would eventually give his own blood for our redemption, for the repayment of that debt. But back to Simeon. That's why they were at the temple, Mary and Joseph. Okay, so Simeon holds the baby Jesus in his arms, and it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke the words that we still use in our traditional liturgy. He said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, a light for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, an old man, is now ready to die. He has seen the fulfillment of God's wonderful promises in the face of the promised Messiah, the baby Jesus. And after he speaks these words of rejoicing, he turns to Mary, and he says to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, so that the, the, heart, the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now, you know what that means in everyday language? This child is set, yes, for the fall and rising of many. In other words, this child is going to be a real problem to a lot of people. They're going to have to do something with him. They are not going to be able to ignore him. He is either going to be there for the fall or the rising of many. And that's what happened. Jesus became a problem, a real problem, almost from the moment he was born. Remember King Herod? King Herod will kill hundreds of baby boys around Bethlehem fearing that this newborn king the wise men told him about would mean trouble. He was a real problem, this little baby Jesus. And when Jesus was 12 years old, he would confuse even his parents, right? When he stayed back in the temple, right? You remember that story? If you don't, Pastor Josh is going to clue us in on it next weekend. And, and, and that problem answer that he gave when he said, Hey, I must be about my father's business. Who was his father? God of the universe. And then Jesus began his public ministry, and he really became a problem to people. People would flock to him because he was refreshing in his teaching, and he did those miracles, right? So he got a huge crowd, but as he started to speak to that crowd about denying yourself, about loving your enemy about doing good to all people. When they found out what real discipleship was all about, they left him. He finally had to ask his disciples one day, are you guys going to leave me too? Over and over again, Jesus became a real problem. Certainly for those Pharisees who tried to live in the law, you know, live in the law of Moses, Jesus was a problem. He picked corn on the Sabbath, you know, he'd, 
He healed on the Sabbath. That were, they didn't like that. His teachings and his life became a real problem for the crowds. You know, after the feeding of the 5,000, they wanted to make him bread king. They wanted to just follow him for what he could give them. And he told them, I'm not going to give you bread for physical life. I am the bread of life. He was a problem. For the Romans, he became a huge problem that first Holy Week. And even during that first Holy Week, it was his disciples, they should have known better by now, who started arguing about who was the greatest. Just like they tried to keep people away, little children away from Jesus earlier on. Right? And Jesus says, you know what, boys? The least is the greatest. Right? The last is the first. And you gain your life by losing your life. He became such a problem to Caiaphas, to the religious leaders, that they finally came up with one simple solution. We've got to kill him. Death was the only answer that humanity had for this problem child, Jesus. Simeon's prophecy was true. This child would become the fall and the rising for many. But not only for Israel. People today still have a problem with Jesus. For for some today, the problem is time. 2,000 years have passed, you know? What does one man that lived that long ago have anything to do with my life today, huh? For another, it's a problem of perception. As we look at the world and see the evil and all the wrong around us, we think we know what God ought to do for this mess we're in. He ought to move down and sweep it all away, but what does he do instead? He sends Jesus and talks about love and service. And the world still stays the same, or sometimes we think it even is getting worse. 2,000 years, and the world is still a mess. No peace. People still kill one another. Tornadoes wipe out whole cities. I think God gave us the wrong answer, people say. We got a real problem if Jesus is God's answer. We have a problem because he's God's answer, not ours. Now, God addressed the arrogance of that kind of thinking 700 years earlier than Simeon when the prophet Isaiah spoke and said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And when we hear Isaiah say that, prophesy that, speak those words from the Lord, in our sinful rebellion, we raise our stubborn fists in the air and say to God, your ways and your thoughts are not mine. Jesus is a problem to us because he's your answer, not ours. If it were our choice, we'd rather have God handle things our way. And of course, that's where it is revealed what the real problem is. The real problem is not Jesus, it's us. It's our sinful, stubborn humanity. It's the way we are turned in on our own sinful self. Sin, you see, you see is simply rejecting God's answer. Sin is Adam and Eve in the garden saying, yeah, God's answer is not adequate for us. What does he mean we can eat from every tree in the garden except that one? 
What kind of answer is that? What grows on that tree looks good to us. <laughs> and that's been the problem with humanity ever since. God's answer doesn't square with ours. God's answer, the only truthful, eternal answer, the only hope for me answer, is the baby that Simeon held in his arms. When Simeon handed that baby back to Mary, he told her that a sword was going to pierce through her heart. And what a prophecy that was for the day 30 years later when she was down there at the bottom of that cross looking up at her son dying for the sins of the world. For you see, God's answer had to include sin, had to include death. The wages of sin is death. It's going to be yours or it's going to be Jesus. I'm glad Jesus was God's answer for my sin. Above the manger, there loomed a cross. Jesus was born, therefore, to die. But my friends, the good news today is beneath the cross, there was an empty tomb. And that empty tomb shows us the way to life which never ends. Simeon says, when he gives that child back to Mary, he says, this child is a sign, a sign designed for sinful humanity, a sign which men reject. Was that a prophecy? Oh, you bet it was. He was looking straight into the future, all the way to December 26th, 2021. Jesus is a sign, the sign which humanity still rejects, sad to say. Now, we usually trust signs, don't we? If we're on a trip out there on the turnpike and there's a sign that points us to exit the turnpike in order to get to our destination, what do we do? We exit. If we don't exit, we breeze right past where we're supposed to go. Well, Jesus Christ is the sign to salvation, a sign from the path of sinful rebellion, from the eternal destiny of unforgiven sin, from the hopelessness that comes from living selfless, selfish, unloving lives. And so many people just choose to breeze right by him. If you want to make sure you don't breeze by Christ this year, and by the way, this is also an important decision as 2021 comes to a close, right? We're going to turn the page, turn the page. Don't breeze by the babe of Bethlehem. Because the page, time that is, only goes in one direction. We can't go backwards. We can only go forward. And by the way, 15 members of this congregation were not aware when they turned the calendar page last year at this time that the next time they turned the calendar page, they'd be in heaven. It's the way it is. The swift passing of time should be for us a reminder not to breeze by God's answer, the babe of Bethlehem. There is no more important sign in the road of life than the one which this one calls to a spirit-filled Christmas. Now, Pastor Smith and Pastor Greminger have planned a powerful year of spiritual growth for us here at St. Paul's in the year 2022. I suggest that if you need spiritual encouragement on your life's journey, and I believe we all do, we do what Simeon did, hang around the temple. And Anna, that prophetess, 
that's recorded in Luke 2, the lesson that was read. What did she do? She hung around the temple. You see, Christ is to be found where he has always promised to be found, in the midst of people when those people are occupied with speaking the word and using his sacraments. Luther said it this way. He said, the word and the sacraments are the swaddling clothes in which the baby Jesus lies. You want to hold the baby Jesus all year this year? You got to hang around the temple. You got to be in God's word. So today we have the opportunity to watch an instant replay, to see again the miracle of love that sent Jesus Christ into our world and into our hearts this Christmas. The fact that you people are back in church today and there are precious few of you. But the fact that you are in this church today shows that you're following Simeon's example. You have been to the manger and now you are back to kneel down before God's Christmas gift to a rebellious people. So remember the replay. Look at it carefully. See the fumbles you have made? See the times you have failed to hang on to the ball? Look at that block you missed? See the interception? And then notice what God does, does on the instant replay. He reaches out to you with the Christ child. He gives you the ball back and says, get running in life. He puts you back in the picture with him. And he says to you, come on. I'll block for you. I'll be around you every day of the new year. I'll pick you up when you fall. Just come on. Let's go. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we, we praise you to be able to kneel again today like, like an instant replay at the manger of Bethlehem. We praise you because of your great miracle of love come down upon us. Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, Make thee a bed soft undefiled within our hearts that they might be quiet chambers kept for thee. Keep replaying Christmas in our hearts, O Lord, every day of our life. In your precious name, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.